Hello, everybody. Here we are with Daniel Ganza, and he's got a book out called USA, The Ruthless Empire, How the CIA Has Played a Huge Part in Its Expansion. Um, congratulations on the book. And I'm looking at the contents table, the scope and breadth of this book is, it would probably take a weekend to interview you. What's going on here? <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Well, uh, yeah, that's the book, Sean. And thanks a lot for inviting me uh, so we can talk about it. Well, we've got 30 minutes this evening, and I'd like to focus on the CIA. Um, what What is your definition of the CIA? Who do they work for? What do they do? Or what are they supposed to do? Um, they work for the rich to protect their vested interests. And how do they enforce that? Well, for instance, you know, the CIA um, has one part uh, which you call the analytic department. So they look at world um, structures, see how many people live in Russia, how many tanks there are in Russia, see uh, whether the Chinese are building um, a new ship and these things. So that's the analytics guys. They don't, they don't engage in paramilitary activities. They basically read and then write and read and write and read and very much like I you know, like journalists, like like professors at university, they they are the study guys. But there's another part, uh, which is the COVID action department. And within the CIA, this COVID action department, for instance, can go in another country and arm another group, which will then get into fighting with another group. So in Nicaragua, they armed the Contras and the Contras would then fight with the Sandinistas. And um in Afghanistan, the CIA obviously was was training uh, Al Qaeda of um, um, uh, Osama bin Laden in the 1980s, and then Al Qaeda was fighting the Soviets. So you you basically arm somebody who then kills your enemies. That's that's the paramilitary stuff and specific examples which make it easier to understand that the CIA is protecting vested interest is that the CIA in 1954 overthrew the government of Guatemala. Uh, the government at the time uh, of uh, Jacopo Arbenz was the president. Now, it's, it's illegal. You're not allowed to overthrow the government in another country. But the government of Jacopo Arbenz was, was doing a land reform in the country. And United Fruit Company was a big uh, American company. Uh, didn't like that. They didn't want the, the, the land reform. And Alan Dulles, the boss of the CIA at the time, said, well, we don't want that. It's not good for our vested interest. It's not good for this company. So we overthrow the government. And it's important to, to realize that this is not really in the interest of, of, of the American public. I mean, 330 million people living in the US. I mean, it's, it's not the CIA is not working for these 330 million. It's, it's working for a small group um, for the rich and the powerful. And that small group managed to circumvent Congress, which led to the Iran-Contra scandal. What yep. do you think about the role of George Bush, um, Felix Rodriguez, Oliver North, those guys? You know, the, the, there's different levels of criminality in the whole thing. I mean, Congress uh, in the 1980s, that was said, uh, the CIA is not allowed you know, to, to fight this secret war in Nicaragua. And then they said, well, gee, I mean, whatever Congress says, we don't care. I mean, that's really what they thought. I mean, they were not like, 
okay, we're the executive part of the government. And if the legislative part, which says you cannot do that, and they are really representing the people, um, then we have to stop. That's not really how it works. Because, you know, when the students go to school, um, they learn that within a democracy, power is controlled. And they learn that in a democracy, they can vote for representatives. So they can vote for a senator who will then sit in the Senate, uh, or they can vote for, for a congressman who, who will sit in the House of Representatives. And these people in the Senate and in the House, they're so powerful that they can tell the CIA to stop. <laughs> but that's not the case. I mean, I'm a historian and I look at the historical data and, and what I see is not only in, 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 in the case of Iran-Contra, uh, the CIA just just you know, basically did what they wanted and they didn't, they didn't care what Congress was doing. There, there are obviously, Sean, a few, a few exceptions. When uh, Senator Frank Church, he was a very courageous a senator, he found out that the CIA has a department for assassinations. Mm -hmm. So uh, he was looking into that and he really questioned people in the CIA and said, okay, so, so you're killers. <laughs> Whom do you kill? Uh, on what legal basis do you kill foreign leaders? Uh, and uh, that was an embarrassing moment for the CIA when they had to talk about their their killer department. But but other that other than that, um, it was basically an exception. And most of the time, Congress doesn't even dare to to challenge the CIA. What about their involvement in drug trafficking? Because in Oliver North's diaries, he was documenting quantities of the white powder and. Didn't they try to justify it by saying it was better, it was in their hands than in the hands of the communists, and that's how they could finance the weapons? Yeah, I mean, um, if, if for people who are not familiar with the stories, let's just zoom in. We're in the 1980s. Uh, let's zoom in into Central America. We're in Nicaragua. And obviously, Nicaragua um, is, is on the drug trade um, route. I mean, drugs, cocaine is, is flowing um, from, from Colombia, where it's being produced, uh, to the US, where, where the prices are high. So that, that, that's been the same in the 80s as it is today. And so this, this, the transport of cocaine to, from Colombia to the US has, is, has always been an interesting thing to study. And, and one of the facts that came out in the Iran-Contra scandal was that the CIA um, was supplying weapons to the Contras. Now, the Contras were based in Honduras, so that's the neighboring country of Nicaragua. And they would go, um, they would, you know, the CIA would train them there, or also um, U.S. Special Forces would train the Contras. And then the Contras would go into, into Nicaragua and just create havoc. I mean, they... They slit up people, they hung them up on the trees, they tortured women. They it's it's really a subject that when you study it, you go, This is this is this is cruel. There's such a lot of atrocity in it. And the aim of the contrast was really um to defeat the Sandinista government, which in Nicaragua was, was then in power. And and Dragon basically said, We don't want them, so let's get rid of them. And um so you have the situation that the CIA flies with, with very small planes. They fly in and they, they drop, they land these small planes in, in Honduras and sometimes also in Nicaragua, and they hand out the weapons to the Contras, and then they fly back. So at one point they realize, well, we're flying in with a, with a, with a plane full of weapons, 
and on the other way we fly we fly back empty with an empty plane. I mean that doesn't make much sense. We could use that 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 that, that flying around to bring um, to bring cocaine in, into in, into the U.S. and that's what they actually did. I mean it was investigated. It's still a you know it's. It's it's an area we, we, we're not supposed to talk about, <laughs> but as as you as you go for the hard hitting questions, that's the situation. It is confirmed that the CIA having these planes, bringing in the bringing in the weapons, had space in the plane, and then said, "Why don't we bring the cocaine to the market?" And it is really something that if you if you if you ask somebody in the streets in the US and say, "Do you think the CIA flew uh, cocaine?" from Nicaragua and Honduras into the US, they would go like, no way. I mean, who would who would do that? It's it's obviously illegal. And if it's illegal, you know, then we've we've part of the department uh, uh, of, of the government, which will fight that. I mean, they will not accept that. But when you realize that the the CIA is much more powerful than other branches of the government, then uh, you realize they, they just get away with it. They get away with it. And and uh, in the media, um, there's very little reporting about it. And if somebody speaks about it, then it's hush hush. That's a conspiracy theory. Like the CIA uses this word conspiracy theory for everything that they don't want to want to hear. You know, it's like a husband <laughs> coming home and he's, you know, had, had sex with many other women and his wife knows and, and he, she's, she confronts him and says, you, you you know you, I can't trust you anymore. You're having sex with so many different women, and he's going to hush hush. That's a conspiracy theory, and that's that's basically what the CIA does every time, every time. And and there are many people in the media, and they 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 use these people in the media who then who then say it's it's a bogus story, it's a conspiracy theory. The CIA would never deal in in, in drugs, but I, I stand by the fact they did. And they looked at the states that had the most corrupt governors to do the drug drops. And one of those states was Arkansas, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, yeah. they had, I mean, once you're in the U.S. airspace, uh, you got to get rid of of, of, um, of the cocaine and, and, and they dropped it. They dropped it and they had, you, you, within the 50 states, you know, you have, you have to drop it in in a state where you, we have solid relationships with the governor because the governor can then um, turn a blind eye. And and still today, for many people, it's they go like when I talk about it, they go like Iran Contra. I can't remember what was that. How oh, we tried to help the people in Nicaragua. I go no, talk to the people in Nicaragua. You killed them. Oh, okay, I wasn't for it. We didn't vote for that. Yeah, you didn't vote for it. It's really. It, what we call it, we call it, an, you know, a runaway executive when the executive does things that, that people don't understand. I mean, today uh, we're talking about the war in Ukraine. And I always say the, uh, the U.S., it, it was again the CIA, overthrew the government in Ukraine in 2014. That was Victoria Nuland. And uh, she was, you know, calling Jeffrey Payet, who was U.S. ambassador in Kiev and they said who, who they want to have into in the government. And at the end of the talk, they said, and you know what? Fuck the EU. So it's 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 called the fuck the EU coup d'etat. So so it really is not something remote, remote, because some listener might say, well, who cares? You know, that's long ago in the 80s. I, I wasn't there or whatever. No, no, this is this is a, this is part of the 
of the international power structure. And uh, uh, here in Switzerland, at university, students who go to school and study history, they, they don't hear a word about it. So what is the strategy of the CIA in modern-day Ukraine? To arm um, Zelensky. You know, Zelensky came in 2019. So before he has been an actor, um, he actually played uh, the Ukrainian uh, president in a TV series. So all the people, you know, saw him and they, they knew he was an actor. And they said, well, th this guy is really, you know, he's really doing it very well <laughs> but it was just a show it's like on Netflix or something and uh, and then they when he when he you know when he stood stood you know for, for for election in 2019 I mean the show was on from 2015 so they saw him all the time you know on television it basically means you can really manipulate people through television and and then um, they they voted for him he also promised that he that he would uh, look for uh, for peace, you know, because the civil war was going on from 2014 till 2022. So it was eight years of civil war. And within that civil war, the CIA trained uh, the Ukrainian uh, soldiers. It was not only the CIA, it was also special forces. And uh, you had some Ukrainians uh, who were flown to, to the US and were trained there. Um, but it was a civil war. It was basically Kiev, the government, who was fighting against the part uh, in the Donbass. And the CIA was heavily involved in this. And the Russians looked at it and said, well, okay, the Americans just tried to drag Ukraine into NATO. We don't want that. And so on 24 February 22, um, more than a year ago now, they made this invasion, which, which was illegal. You know, the Russians have have no right to just, you know, uh, cross the border with tanks and troops. So it's like the French cannot just invade Italy. It's, it's illegal. You, can talk, you cannot do it. And, and the U.S. were not allowed to invade Iraq. But it happens. It happens. It's illegal. And, uh, and now we're in this um, quite dangerous situation because these are nuclear powers. I mean, the U.S. is a nuclear power. The British, obviously, the French. And on the other hand, uh, the Chinese and the Russians, they're, they're nuclear powers. And they are now, you know, they, it's a power showdown. Why does America want to keep all these wars going? Is it military expenditure, lobbyists from Lockheed Martin and these military companies? Are they part of it? The oil companies, are they part of it? What, what are the vested interests manipulating the CIA to do all this stuff well it, it is the uh, the military industrial complex you know eisenhower talked about it in, in the 1960s early 1960s it was his farewell address so eisenhower was was replaced in 1961 by uh, john f kennedy who was then shot in 63 i think by the cia but um the 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 vested interest of Lockheed Martin is obviously to sell more arms. The, the vested interest of Boeing or General Dynamics and these, these, these big companies is to sell more arms. And if you look at the defense budget, it's um, $880 billion. So now in the British uh, system, it's milliards, right? Let's get that right. It's just with the nine zeros. But the American billions, 880 and, and so that's a lot of money. 
And I looked at the uh, congressional uh, records and I looked whether the Democrats and the Republicans, you know, it's always, you know, this big story. There's two parties and they battle and they're so different. And so if you look at when, when the defense bill has to be passed, because it's always the parliament who, who actually says, okay, the Pentagon can have 500 uh, billion, it can have 600 billion, it can have 700 billion. We're now at 880 billion. That's more than the, the next 10 countries combined. Uh, so uh, when, when the defense bill is being passed in Congress, uh, they, it's always a yes from the Democrats and a yes from the Republicans. There's no opposition. There's no opposition whatsoever. So Lockheed Martin really, um, as a lobbyist group, they, they have Congress in their pocket. There's really nobody voting against it. And what that means is that that is part of the interest. Yeah. So, so one interest group is, is certainly the, the defense um, uh, group and they, uh, they manipulate the media. You know, they, they always write about a new threat. You know, there's a new threat here, a new threat there. Everywhere is this threat. We have to bomb Libya. We have to bomb Syria. We have to bomb Afghanistan. And many people can't even find these countries on the map. And they go, oh, gee, okay, we have to bomb them. Why? And then, you know, they have all these experts uh, who say, because they're evil. It's always the same story. They're evil. Uh, we have to bomb Vietnam. Why? Oh, they're evil. Uh, we have to bomb Afghanistan. Why? They're evil. We have to bomb Saddam Hussein. He's evil. And then I come as a historian and say, well, but you cooperated with Saddam Hussein from 79 to 88 against Khomeini. And then they go, come on don't spoil the show you know we have such a good story we don't we're not too concerned about facts so yes uh, part of the interest group is is are those who sell the weapons but it would be too simple to say uh, that that is the whole picture there's also one group who's generally interested to keep the us as the world superpower um obviously that they, they have shared interest with the defense industry but they they just think it's their God-given right um, to project power. And to project power means that you, you attack other countries. You, For instance, um, uh, uh, kill Gaddafi in Libya in 2011. You don't you know, personally do it, but Barack Obama, together with the French and the British and also the Norwegians and many other NATO countries, they bombed Libya. Um, totally illegal. <laughs> think, of, think of Libya bombed. If Libya had bombed France in 2011, we'd, we'd sort of take a critical look at it. <laughs> but, but as the US did it, Obama did it, and Hillary Clinton, who was then Secretary of State, said, you know, we came, he, we won, he died. And she, she says it with a smile. And these people, they are just imperialists. You know, they, they think they have the right to be number one and they now think, take on Russia and after that they want to take on China and for everybody who lives uh, on that planet it's it's just not such a yeah it's not it's not good behavior I'd say you know that's not how we raise our kids so you know going back the last few hundred years it seems that a world war has erupted every century do you think we're on the same trajectory for this century but this time with nuclear weapons um, Sean, I hope we don't. I hope. But it's just important that we start to have an honest dialogue where we are. It really is important. Um, if, we, if we have this, this uh, perception that NATO countries are um, 
always defensive and would never attack another country. That's just not true. It's just not true. Um, NATO bombed Serbia in '99. And you know, NATO was for uh, NATO. Obviously, is the biggest military alliance, and it was led. It is led by the United States. Nixon's one once said, President Nixon said, NATO is the only international organization which works, and that's because it's a military organization, which means it's a hierarchical structure, and second, because the U.S. is in charge. And if you look at NATO, it's uh, we do always have a Secretary General from Europe. Right now, it's Jens Stoltenberg. Who, who, who used to be prime minister in Norway. So this makes the Europeans feel, well, we have a lot of influence in NATO, but that is deceiving because the supreme allied commander in NATO, the Sakur, is always an American general, has always been. You know, NATO was formed in 49, and you'd think maybe one year the British, no. Maybe one year the French have that leading general, no. Maybe the Germans, no. The Spanish, no. The Polish, no. The Italians, no. The Turkish, beware it's always an american general and that means nato is a mechanism for the united states to control europe uh, to you know it's basically a, um, uh, the american foothold in europe and they moved nato towards the east so they took in romania bulgaria all these countries and now they're moving close with nato to russia and, and that's really the tricky thing, because Russia obviously has linked up with China and South Africa and Brazil and India to, to form this BRICS alliance, which is huge, 3.5 billion people. Um, they've just enlarged it now with Argentina, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Ethiopia, etc. But it means that we need to reflect on the mistakes in our camp. Um, our camp is the NATO camp. We need to reflect on, um, on the wars of the United States. That's why I wrote the book. I also say in the book, it's not the people of the United States. It's really the, the ruling class, which is a small, small group. And, and these, these people, they, they might go to the brink of a, of a third world war, but the majority of the people in the United States don't want that. And the majority of the people in Europe don't want that. And in China and Russia, they don't want that either. So yes, if you ask me about World War III, I just, I just hope we can avert it. But we cannot avert it by just watching BBC and, and, and think that's the whole story. It's not. Speaking of BBC, etc., what is the role of the CIA in modern day war propaganda? And, you know, I saw that thing about the Russian pipeline getting blown up. Would they yeah. have been active around that time? Well, the um, North Stream pipeline was blown up on 26 uh, September um, 2022, so exactly one year ago now. And um, at the beginning, there was just total silence, you know, in most media outlets, BBC and Ger German news outlets and, and, and American news outlets. It was just, okay, There's that's a terrorist attack, right? So everybody agreed it's a terrorist attack. But it was like, oh, gee, we don't know who did this. And then it was really the American journalist, Seymour Hirsch, who came forward with what I think is a convincing story. He said it was U.S. President uh, Joe Biden who, uh, who, who was behind this terrorist attack. And the interesting thing is that the Americans don't only have the, uh, this aggressive uh, White House, which you know, has bombed most countries. No other country has bombed so many countries like uh, the U.S., so... 
presidents are extremely um, violent. And, uh, but they also have the most courageous journalists, it seems, you know, I mean, uh, Seymour Hersh is an, is a US journalist and he comes forward. He breaks the story. It's not a German journalist, not a Russian or a French journalist. Um, the British have uh, John Pilger. He's a very clever man, very, uh, very courageous as well. But uh, I think uh, Seymour Hersh has, um, has the story he has it correct he has obviously insiders in the pentagon and in the cia who, who told him how it all works and um he he says that it was uh, it was all prepared during an, uh, a military exercise which was called baltops which is an exercise in the in in the ostsee and they they you know they planted the explosive and um and then they activated it in, in September with a boy, which they dropped from, from, from a Norwegian NATO airplane. I think that's the correct story. But, Sean, if you think about it, that means U.S. terrorism in Europe. Okay. And obviously, that's very de delicate. So that you, you now have very, a, a lot of cover stories. One, one cover stories, which is you know, spread by BBC, New York Times, and... The Economist and others, it says, oh, no, you know, it was a group of Ukrainians who did it with a little yacht, Andromeda. I'm not convinced, but, you know, everybody has to make up his own mind. What about the more recent story of the Wagner Group, then? Have you unraveled that one? Um, I, it was obviously, a, a, you know, a crisis within Russia. It, that, that definitely was a crisis within Russia, because if you're if part of your military, obviously, Wagner is a private military company, PMC. But if a PMC walks against the capital, it's it's like you know in the Roman times when 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 the emperor you know just crossed the Rubicon. Rubicon is this river close to Rome, and it was never you know you had to put down the arms before you went into the city. And um, so I think Prigozhin, the the boss of Wagner, he he was he was in a fight with Shoigu, who is the defense minister, uh, and it was a very very dangerous situation for Russia. For Putin, the president, and um, now obviously we learned that uh, Prigozhin is dead, and you know it was an accident. I don't, I don't think it is an accident. I think he was killed, but I have no proof. I have no proof of that. But you know, taking the things together, it just means it's a very unstable situation. If you have within NATO, you have terrorists, terrorist attacks among the countries, because Germany is obviously a NATO country. Norway is a NATO country, and uh, the US is a NATO country, and, and all, Germany was the victim because the gas, you know, went from Russia to Germany, and they didn't, they don't have the gas now anymore. They have high energy prices, mm. uh, um, so uh, Germany is the main victim of this terrorist attack uh, blowing up the Nord Stream. So it means, and and you know, this is a debate the Germans are not allowed to have. It means that Germany is not only at war with Russia because they send arms to Zelensky and they train Ukrainian troops in 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 Germany, which which means that you are at war with Russia. The Germans say, no, no, we're just sending arms and we're just training the Ukrainians, but we don't have German soldiers in Ukraine, so we're not at war. <laughs> so they they always try to pretend, you know, that that they're just this peaceful country which is not involved. But no, no, they're involved. Uh, German tanks um, are shooting at, at Russians, and, and the Russians obviously go, at, they, they, they are reminded of the Second World War and of Operation Barbarossa, where, where German tanks uh, shot at Russians. And, 
And so Germany is at war with Russia, but they're also at war with the US. That one is not declared because the US blew up Nord Stream. So it's it's highly complicated. And when, when, when you ask me about uh, how about the danger for World War III, I just hope that all actors involved, I mean, actors on, 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 on a powerful level, like, you know, uh, Zelensky is not on, on, on that level, but Putin and Biden and Xi Jinping, um, that these actors in the end don't have an interest to blow it all up. They could, they could, they have enough weapons. And do you think that you and me are spectators? We're just spectators. Do you think that the boss of Wagner had probably been incentivized or offered a reward by the CIA to do what he did? Could be, but I have no proof. All right, we've run out of time. So, do you want to tell the viewers where they can find you and support you and get your book? Um, uh, so, my name is Daniele. It's a it's Daniel with an e at the end. And then it's Ganser, G-A-N-S-E-R. If they put that um, uh, on the internet, they will find my website and they will, they will find my book. And they, they find my YouTube channel and uh, some of my talks are, are in English. But most, most of it is in German. But uh, I was happy to, to talk with you um, because obviously the English language is, is, is spoken all, all across the world. So, so Sean, thank you a lot for having me. Huge thanks for coming on and you have a good rest of your evening, my friend. Take care. Cheers. Take care. Bye, Sean.